This morning uh, we will start in uh, Romans chapter 7. In Romans chapter 7, we'll begin in verse 15 to the end of the chapter. For what am I doing? For what I am doing, I do not understand. For, for what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good, but now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells, for to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil that I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind I serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. <clears throat> this declaration here, of what Paul is speaking about, there's a lot of misconceptions in Christendom about what Paul is declaring here. And they're, and they're very, very um, slippery slope that people can develop over reading this here without taking it in context of chapters 6 and 8 that surround it. And we'll get into that in a little bit. <clears throat> I heard a, a brother preach one time, well, we sin every day, we're always going to sin, not a day goes by that we don't sin, and it just went on and on, just, just, you know, with a retiring attitude in his preaching, this retiring attitude about rebellion against God. And this is not here. People will read this and say, oh, Paul calls himself a wretched man and he can't stop sinning. Then who are we to be able to do that? You know, we, you know, well, you know, that's just our flesh doing that and it's okay. The Word of God makes it clear that sin is not okay. If you look at God's attitude towards sin and that he sent his 
son to die on a cross because of the seriousness of sin and because he can't have fellowship with sin and that we must be delivered and cleansed from sin, you see the seriousness, the serious attitude that God takes towards sin. And so should we. And so, instead of making excuses for it, to try to understand what the Apostle is teaching us here in this letter to the Romans, and when he says here in verse 15, for what I will to do, I don't practice, but what I hate, that I do. Now, when does that happen? That happens when we walk in the flesh. He says in verse 18, in, my in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells, for to will, to do what's good, is present with me, but how to perform it, what is good, I do not find. He doesn't find it in himself. In Philippians chapter 2, it says this, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you to will and to do his good pleasure. First, to give us the attitude, the will to do what's good, to do his will, the will to do his will, and the ability to do his good pleasure, the ability God is at work in us. And since He is at work in us, we must have faith and confidence that that's true. God is at work in me. He's at work in us who are in Christ. There's no need to run a white flag up the flagpole and say, oh, I'm just going to sin anyway. And, you know, and to say, oh, these temptations are too strong. And to me, that's ignorance. When you look at the Word of God, it's ignorance to what the Holy Spirit is saying in the Scriptures. We are deceiving ourselves if we have that kind of an attitude. And in our example, we can deceive others. In verse 20, he says, Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer me who is doing it, but the sin that lives in me, in my flesh. That's what, so we can say, oh, the flesh made me do it, the devil made me do it, it's not me. He's saying that we still have a sinful nature. And if we walk in the flesh, we're going to do what we know is wrong. We want to do what's right, but if we're walking in the flesh, we're going to do what's wrong. And he says in verse 22, For I delight in the law of God, According to the inward man, when we are converted, we desire to do what's right in our inner man. But he says there's something else going on in verse 23. The wall of sin in my body. That's right. And so in verse 24, he says, O wretched man that I am. When we are giving into the flesh, we see our wretchedness. Oh, well, that's just the flashes. We can't have a retiring attitude to it. It's not the will of God 
And we will look at that in the surrounding chapters in a few minutes, in the same letter written by the same person, that it's not the will of God that we just hold up our hands and surrender and, and, and run up the white flag and say, well, that's just who I am, that's just the way I am, that's just what I do. My parents had a bad temper, and so now I have a bad temper, and that's my culture, and that's who I was, and so that's the person I am, and people just got to deal with it. No, people don't have to deal with it. We have to deal with it. And so it says, A wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, some people say, ah, oh, this means when Jesus comes back and I'm not living in this sinful body anymore. No. No, that's not what it's saying. That's a misunderstanding, a misinterpretation of what's clearly being said here. He's saying, I thank God that He delivers me from this body of flesh through Jesus Christ. And then as we go to chapter 8 and verse 1, Dave, if you read verses 1 to 4, you can see what Paul is talking about. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Okay. The answer Paul gives is very clear. There, there, is, there is therefore no condemnation to us who are in Christ. And he says, he, he also says and describes those who are in Christ, those who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. There is no condemnation to those who walk in the Spirit. Those who are in Christ Jesus who walk in the Spirit. When we go back to walking in the flesh, guess what? <laughs> we don't feel right. It sets, in, it sets into motion that wretchedness that Paul talks about. That Paul experienced, that all of us experience. Wretchedness. But at the end of Paul's life, he says, I, won the, I, I fought the fight. I, I, I've won. He says that those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its affections and its lusts. He says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Why? Because there's no condemnation in the Spirit. So accepting of sinful behavior, sinful attitudes, sinful habits, brings confusion, condemnation, a certain fearful looking for of judgment. It says if we sin willfully, so I'm not sinning willfully. Well, there's still the guilt that comes with it until we repent. And we go back to walking in the Spirit. Say, so, well, that's kind of a hard message. It's not my message. This is what we're reading. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ, who are abiding in Christ. 
who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And then we pick up in Romans uh, 12, 12 to 14, Dave. You can read them. 12, 12 to 14. Mm -hmm. Romans 8, 12 to 14. Oh. Not chapters 12 to 14. <laughs> <laughs> Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you, by the Spirit, you put to, to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Mm -hmm. Jesus told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit fell upon them, and he said you would receive power from on high. He says, and then you will be my witnesses. When we are born of the Spirit, we receive power from God. And you see, it says right here, but if by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, capital S there, you put the death of these of the body, you will live. It is, and it says right after there, if the, as many as are led by the Spirit. Well, where is the Spirit leading us to do? To put the death of these of the flesh by His power, by the power of the Holy Spirit that's given to us. So you see, the excusing of ourselves. It's not a godly spiritual reality. Excusing sin in our pride or in our ignorance or in whatever reasons we're excusing it in our desire to continue in sin, our self-will, whatever the case may be, our continuance in sin is a rejection of the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is leading us to put the death of deeds of the flesh. And that hard message is actually a, a message of deli deliverance. A message of freedom. He who the Son sets free is free indeed, Jesus said. He who con continues in sin is a slave of sin. But if the Son sets us free, we're free indeed. Free for real. The chapter before that is chapter chapter before chapter seven, where Paul declare in chapter seven Paul declares what a, a wretched man that I am. But the chapter right before that he declares certain things. Romans six six says, "The old man is crucified with Christ, that we are no longer to be slaves to sin. We're no longer slaves of sin." Verse 7, it says, he who, died, he who died with Christ is free from sin. Verse 11 says, we are dead to sin. Verse 14 says, sin shall not have dominion over you. That means, dominion means have rule. Sin shall not have rule over us. Verse 18 of Romans 6 says, Having been set free from sin, we have become 
slaves of righteousness. Verse 22 says, But now, having been set free from sin, we become slaves of God and have fruit unto holiness and eternal life. Freedom from sin. Power over sin. Death to sin. Buried with Christ in baptism. Raised with Him to walk in a new life. A life where we can have liberty, freedom from sin. As we walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the sinful nature. So then why do we make excuses? We hear them all the time. We've said them in the past. That temptation is too strong. I can't control, I can't stop blowing up at my kids. can't stop fighting with my wife, my husband. I can't stop looking at them dirty movies. I can't stop looking at the young ladies walking around half naked. I can't stop doing this. I can't stop doing that. What we have to stop doing is to stop saying those kind of things. Because we're deceiving ourselves by doing that. If I don't cheat the government, if I don't withhold some of my tax, I'm not going to be able to pay my bills. And we just just go on and on. If I don't scream at that guy, he's not going to leave me alone. It just goes on and on. All these worldly, carnal thinkings of our mind. The carnal mind is at enmity with God. It's not the mind of God. It's not the leading of the Holy Spirit. And this is just one more reminder that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the end of all excuses. Forgiveness? Yes. Mercy? Yes. Deliverance? Yes. Excuses? No. No excuses for those who are in Christ Jesus. And there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now they'll say, well, it's too hard to do that. God is at work in us to do and to will of His good pleasure. Jesus said, as Dan pointed out last week, He said, My yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Doesn't mean there's no burden. Doesn't mean there's not any hardships in life. But what it means is a lot lighter than the burden of sin. We remember the story of Pilgrim's Progress, where the man Pilgrim is walking around with his huge boulder on his back. It's the burden of his sin. And he's delivered from it when he comes to the cross of Jesus. But you know, as a Christian, we can start putting burdens back on our back. Burdens of the flesh, condemnation, guilt, all kinds of things. The only place for deliverance is the same place we got deliverance from the first place. To the cross of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Deliverance and cleansing of all unrighteousness.
From there we go to the Gospel of John, chapter, chapter uh, 15. John 15, and we'll read verses 5 to 13. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. In this passage, Jesus said he was the vine, we are the branches, the Father was the caretaker, one took care of it, vine. And so we want to examine this once again, and I, as we do, I want to think about when I was a kid, that behind my, in the back of my parents' yard, behind my, the house, right behind the house, behind the driveway of my parents' property, was grapevines. On one side was the white grapes, and the other side was the purple grapes. And my mom, my dad would prune them in the winter, prune the vines in the winter, cut them back, and he would spray the insecticide to kill the Japanese beetles in the middle of the summer. And then my mom, with the help of me and my brothers, would pick the grapes, and then she would put them in a big vat and stomp them with her feet, the old, the old world method, and then she would make the wine. And one thing that you notice is that the white grapes, the wine tasted a certain way, had certain characteristics, had a certain color, and a certain flavor, and the purple grapes had an entirely different color, had a different flavor, and different tastes and flavor characteristics. But what is, so, so, so what? Well, it all has to do with what we get when we're in the vine. Because the vine bears the branches, the branches are dependent on the vine to bear fruit. All the water and the nutrients and everything they come out of the, the roots and through the vine and add into the branches. And the fruit that the, the branches bear have to do with the kind of vine that it is. 
If a branch bears thorns and thistles, the Bible says in our place, it's good for nothing. There's no, there's no good fruit there. There's nothing. But it says that this is the Father's will, that we bear much fruit. And the fruit of the vine that we're attached to. Not the fruit of some thorn bush. So what are we bearing? What we're bearing shows what we're abiding in. If we're abiding in the vine of Christ, we take on the characteristics of that vine, which is Christ. And we bear the fruit that Christ of Christ. Love. First thing he mentions here in abiding in the vine. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. If we're abiding in Christ, that's what we that's the kind of fruit we're bearing. The flavor, the color, the characteristics of the vine that we're hooked into, that we're abiding in, just like the grapes. The white grapes come from the white branches, which come, are hooked into the white vine. The type of vine it is. And the kind of fruit that's born is from that type of vine. Abiding in Christ, walking in the Spirit, they're one and the same. Bearing the fruit of the Spirit comes from walking in the Spirit. And so, the supernatural life of abiding in Christ is possible. This is not some legend or fairy tale. This is not some pie in the sky. This is the teachings of Jesus. As we abide in Him, we bear fruit. And some people will say, well, I'm bearing a little bit of fruit. I'm doing okay. Yeah, there's some sour grapes and there's some rotten eggs on here, but rotten fruit on here, but I'm bearing some good fruit. It's okay, isn't it? Jesus said the Father's will is that we bear much fruit. Yesterday, somebody asked me to prune, uh, wrap up a fig tree for them, winterize it. And when I went out there, I pruned away some branches to make the tree smaller. So that makes it bear better fruit, bigger fruit. But also, I cut off some branches that were dead. They can't bear any fruit anymore. You remove them. I told them, I said, you got to cut these off whenever you see them because it can spread and bear and spread disease throughout and kill more branches. The Father takes away the branches that don't bear fruit. So as we abide in the vine, the Father is going to cut us back. Because if you see some dieback on a branch... You cut it back to where you see there's still life. And you cut it back. Remove that stuff. The Father prunes the branches so they bear more fruit. 
So if we have an attitude that, well, I'm bearing some fruit and it's okay, so I'm going to look the other way and just say a wretched man that I am, you know, like Paul did, and the apostle said that, therefore I can say that, and just have that kind of surrendering, retiring attitude towards sin in my, our lives, then the Father is going to prune us back with a sharp tool called pruning shears, what the farmer uses, the vine, the vine taker, the vine care, caretaker of the vineyard, that's what he does. Takes a sharp instrument and cuts. And a cut on a vine is a wound. And whether it's true or not, I'm not sure, but some scientists say that it's actually the plant goes through trauma because of the pain of being cut back. It's traumatic. It hurts. Is God going to hurt us? Well, he's going to do what's, in very simple terms, he's going to discipline us and do what's necessary. And sometimes that is painful. I'm not going to lie about it. I'm not going to be very upfront about it. it. It is painful to be disciplined. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, no discipline at first, is joyous, but painful. But afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit, there's that word fruit again, the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have received that discipline. That's the purpose of God's discipline in our life. To remain in Him, to live in Him. Say, well... You know, I've been trying to do what's right. I have been failing in certain areas. I've been doing good in certain areas. But as a Christian, I've been failing in certain areas. What do I do? You understand that the Christian life is a life of faith. It is a life of dependence upon the Lord. That He is at work in our life. If we believe that He is at work in our life, and that He has empowered us, then we're listening to the Spirit of God. Because that is, Jesus said the Spirit of God would teach us, and guide us, and help us. Do we believe that? Because if we don't, if we don't keep these things in mind, guess what? We're working in our own strength, and we're bound to failure. And we're going to say what Paul said, O wretched man that I am! I've said it, you've said it, in some way or another. But the answer, in seeing our own natural wretchedness in ourselves, the answer is not to just surrender to our wretchedness, and to accept the flesh that we're walking in, but not only to repent, but to take a step of faith. God is at work in me. God has empowered me. I'm going to walk in the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. That changes everything. The victorious Christian is one who believes the message and walks in it. Walk in the Spirit. Those who do not walk according to the flesh, walk according to the Spirit. That's our obligation. As it says in Romans 8, we have an obligation, brethren, 
But it's not to walk in the flesh. But to put to death the deeds of the flesh by walking in the Spirit. If we go into a state store and close with this thought, and I'll let the other brothers speak what they want to speak on. If you go into a state store and you go look according to the, look, walk down the aisle, all the different lines there, the different names for them. You see the name Merlot. You see the brand name, but then underneath you see Merlot, Cabernet. You see Niagara. You see Muscat. And if you hold up the bottle, different bottles, you see the different colors. If you open it up, you buy it, you open it up, it's different flavors. They take on the characteristic. The, the name Merlot is a type of grape. The name Cabernet is, the, that name Cabernet is a type of grape. The type of grape has, has the characteristics of the type of vine that it's hooked into. That's growing out of. The branch is growing out of a certain type of vine. That purple grape is purple because that's the kind of vine it is. If we abide in Christ. The fruit that we will bear will resemble Christ. The Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. And it's something for each of us to understand and embrace and not to feel discouraged because we're not measuring up, but to be encouraged that God gives us, as Dan mentioned last week from the Scriptures, that God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Everything we need for life and godliness is found in Christ, the Scripture says. In Christ. Not out of Christ. Not in walking in the flesh. But walking in the Spirit. As we believe this message. That's in the Scriptures. Brothers, I'm going to...